Hello and welcome to another episode of The Potato Files here on the Never Sleeps Network. Uh, my guest today is... Um, Comedian extraordinaire, Mr. Tim Rabin. Tim, how you doing today? Very good, Jeff. Very Thank good. You very for good. having me. I'm more than welcome to have, or happy to have you. I don't know. I can't talk. You're right welcome. Now. We're going to try welcome, and get sir. through this next hour. Um, what do you think of the Never Sleeps Network bedroom studio? It's yeah, it's very cozy. It is. I don't, I'm sure you've described this to your listeners before, but um, we're in a bedroom <laughs> and. Uh, there's like a slight break, so there's like the official mm-hmm. podcast area, and mm-hmm. then just on the other side of that little area, yeah, there's they're, a, a they're bed like to have a nap. Sliding doors if you get tired. or something used to be there. Maybe it was like a solarium yeah, before. It was definitely a solarium where that bed goes now. So, but uh, yeah, now it's just uh, you know, if you get tired during this podcast, you go lay down on the bed. And they won't know. Editing <laughs> will make it seem smooth. Yeah, yeah we'll, but we'll fix it secretly, all. Secretly, I may have had a half hour nap <laughs> in the middle of this and cut nap time. Dylan God had to get up and take a piss. Okay. So we do have editors here at the Never Sleeps Network. Got to say that four times throughout the podcast or I don't get paid. I'm kidding. I don't get paid for anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get down to it, Timmy. Um, Where uh, where were you born? Toronto. Toronto, Ontario. Yeah. You you were um, raised here? I don't know. I I don't. You were like, let's open up about stuff. So (laughs) maybe these are things I don't talk about so much, but... um, I come from parents who got divorced when I was one, which is um, uh, a sign that the marriage probably wasn't going well <laughs> before that. And actually, they get, they get along now. My mom and my you're, dad get along now. You're the band-aid that didn't uh, take, eh? Yeah, totally. Eh? I didn't solve things the way people hoped that I would. So I was born in Toronto, and then shortly thereafter, my birth, my parents' marriage disintegrated. Were there into, any siblings before you? Yeah, my brother. And how old is he? Uh, he's three years older, okay. and he also didn't fix that marriage. <laughs> and when they broke up, my dad moved out west, and my mom just moved a bit north, you know, Collingwood, probably. Okay. Is like where Blue Mountain is. Yeah. So there's a small town called Thornbury, Thornbury near there. Yeah, that's where I spent the first 12 years of my life. My mom lived there until she met another gentleman, and they got married. She moved to Barrie, but then uh, that gentleman, my stepdad, uh, passed away yes, I about six months ago, yes. and so my mom has moved back up to Thornbury only in the past maybe four months or something. How old is and she? She's 65, and okay. like, uh, she's, got some time she's getting left. it. She's getting it. Yeah, she's, yeah. Uh, she's just like going out there. She's got a lot of energy, and I'm excited for her to have... Uh, New lease on life? A new lease on life. How long was your stepdad sick for? Oh, God. For He had, um, like, physical health problems and then declining mental health as well. So, I don't know. Maybe, like, four years ago, he was a healthy version of himself. But it kind of slowly... But your mom's been been taking care of him for the last four years. um, Yeah, it's hard to tell people what to do, but she definitely became a full-time nurse and... Mm -hmm. um, it's very honorable that she wanted him to have the dignity of like being in his own home and not having nurses around him all the time. But yeah, man, yeah, her yeah. life was certainly horrible for, for at least a year. But hey, good for her, man. She, yeah. Uh, she so made a commitment and stuff. She made to a it. commitment and, uh, you know, she gave him as much dignity as possible. And, uh, now she's up in Thornbury and I was just up there this weekend for the first time. And, uh, in a while, back in the... She lived near water up there. And she nice. does. She lives right on a little river. It's very cute. Sweet. And, uh, is it a little cottage or a house? Or? It's, a, it's a townhouse. It's their new townhouses right. amongst the cottages, but it's nice. It's a good good place for her to be. So Nice, nice. So that's mostly where I grew up. My brother was there, too. He came up. My brother is a massive uh, hippie who moved to Nelson, British Columbia. Okay. This is, I'm sure you know... The main industry of Nelson yeah. is uh, <laughs> is the marijuana industry, and so he kind of lived in Nelson for about eight years until the hustle and bustle of that two thousand person town got to be too much for him, <laughs> and so now he also lives on a river outside of Nelson. Oh, that's um, great, yeah. Like with you know four people within a, a three kilometer radius of him, but so he flew out and was with us this weekend and a whole we got, family reunion. yeah we got to take my nephew to like the playgrounds i went to when i was a kid <laughs> and was have good. they improved them yeah they have yeah they i, got I more said this slides. really kick-ass playground around the corner from my place it was like the best in town i remember like and, all the other schools were jealous and uh i remember when they they tore it down to build a new one and the new one was never not as good no it's i it's hard to remember my nephew is two and he's really into colors and shapes as a two-year-old. So he likes 
blue slides and red slides, and he has no opinion on how dangerous or long the slide is or how twisty or curvy it is. He just likes the color, <laughs> the color of things. He wants to do a blue slide and then a red slide. We had these awful slides at my school growing up. Uh, I wasn't allowed to go to the school around the corner from my place because it wasn't a Catholic school. So I had to, I had a bus to like, right. You 45, 45. Catholic? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't take <laughs> as soon as I, uh, I don't know. As soon as I got older, I just didn't really like, Give a shit. It's remarkable, just to digress for a second, how in our generation, and we're about the same age, um, 26, (laughs) um, uh, in our generation, it just is considered completely reasonable to leave your religious upbringing, but in your parents' generation. Well, I find it odd if somebody hasn't. Like, oh, you're still 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 doing that, eh? You were. It's more like if someone converts to Islam later in life or or Judaism or something, you're like, oh, cool, it's a spiritual journey you're on. But if you meet someone who's just like... I've never questioned a Jewish person. Catholic from the time they grew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never questioned a Jewish person uh, for, like, an adult Jewish person for still having their faith, but... Uh, like adult Catholics and Christians. Judaism isn't even really a religion. It's more like, like my it's like a community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about uh, growing up? You were uh, you were raised Catholic too? Then or no? It's pretty much um, non-denominational. That's good. Which man. is a good way to be. I've obviously because of that done many immoral things throughout my life <laughs> with no regret or consequences. But my grandparents were like Anglican. They went to church, mm-hmm. but they didn't make religion a big part of their life. And so my mom didn't really consider organized religion a big thing. And we never had to uh, pretend in that way. <laughs> so. my, my grandma was uh, extremely Catholic on like my dad's side. And uh, my dad has seven siblings. And I think they all go to church, but they're not like, I think they're still doing it to satisfy <laughs> mom. But like, my dad goes to church once a year on Christmas. I stopped doing that. Like, it, but it was like a big family thing. It was like, it, at one point, I'm like, I'll go on Christmas just to please grandma. And now it's just like, I, like, I can't walk in there and take anything yeah. serious. It was, I don't know. It's whatever people believe. And the other thing about shitting on religion is that I have friends who, believe things much more ridiculous than religion and i don't beat them up about <laughs> yeah, it i yeah. have a friend who who's into pyramids and the power and he's like a guy with a jo- like sincere about everything but he believes that pyramids may have been placed here by aliens and have a lot of power i'm actually willing to like hear people out on all kinds of ridiculous stuff so he's never heard of slavery then i'm pretty I sure that's how, right. i'm pretty sure slaves placed those pyramids there it would be shocking if he uh found out about slavery and was like ah oh, it's not not alien spaceships that did this but uh but yeah it is kind of weird when you meet someone under 45 who mm-hmm. who's really devout yeah i got a buddy who's uh he's, he's around our age and he stopped going to the church his parents went to and found his own church he's like oh no i, I do my own thing now i'm like but you're still doing a thing eh? yeah and it's just i don't know to teach their own but you got to realize that you're living this life to get into the next you're kind of wasting this one yeah i'm not yeah. saying go fucking kill somebody oh, and man. go covet your neighbor's wife or whatever you do but i don't know man just fucking don't worry about somebody watching everything you do. Yeah, it would be great if there was a heaven. That would be so great. <laughs> I, I'd really like that, but I just I don't I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. No, no, no. I uh, I, I don't know. Whatever. So you play sports when you were a kid? Did yeah, I did. Um, I was very bad at sports. Um, so I bumbled through a bunch of stuff. Started playing basketball, and I liked basketball. I'm a very bad athlete. I have. Um, <laughs> bad coordination and i don't catch things well i do think it is like um is this is awful to say but you mentioned slavery and like just the basic tests of when they were looking at like a human's ability to do work like <laughs> things like grip strength and you you wouldn't have, the you wouldn't have passed to, the test <laughs> i would not have passed the test like if i were in a lineup with other slaves i would have sold for a dollar at the very end <laughs> But yeah, there, there are just things you can tell, like, if 
you just you know throw a ball at someone when they're not looking, and if they catch it, they're like, <laughs> oh, they, they flinch good like ah. coordination. <laughs> yeah, and if they could flinch and then start crying, I was more like that. So um, I started playing basketball at some point, and I loved the game, and I wasn't very good at it, but uh, you kept but at it. it. I kept at it, yeah, and I enjoyed it. I was like, um, I don't know how much of an NBA fan you uh, are, no, but really. um, like, there's. The athleticism is a part of the game, and then thinking the game's a part of the game. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a French guy named Boris Diaw who's like, he's flipped between being fat and obese in the NBA. <laughs> and um, when he's obese, like, he just has a really hard time keeping up with people, but he's still like really smart and plays the, the game. positions he plays the positions he plays are great but he's fat sometimes <laughs> um so i was kind of like a fatter less skilled dumber <laughs> boris diao as a player so did you grow up a chunky kid or i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. like i'm i'm a bit i'm definitely chunky now yeah, but you're not um, a fat guy i'm not a fat guy yeah so i've always been i've actually been in shape at periods of my life um often corresponding to when you're single yes um, yes because people don't want to date chunky people well as that's much. the thing too and then you get in a relationship and, and you're you, like well i don't need yeah i don't like, need well, that anymore she'll probably still fuck me if i yeah. put on a few pounds like, yeah i i lose weight through depression so okay i told kira if she wants to me to lose some weight maybe fuck one of my friends okay. i'll be yeah uh, i'll be real skinny in no time <laughs> Just fucking crying four months straight. That's good though. It's uh, I mean this is a compliment, but uh, it looks like your mental health is pretty good right now. Yeah, yeah, like, we're doing great. I guess everyone struggles with their weight. Ah, some people are really skinny, but mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, my weight's been up and down. I also drink too much beer. Yeah, I'm drinking that's my less beer now that I'm middle aged, but uh, I'll have white wine. What is your actual age? What year were you born? 78. So okay. I'm turning 39 yeah, in two years old. Maybe. In a couple of days or something. A couple or two of days. Weeks or something, yeah, yeah. Kira, Kira turns 39 next yeah. month. Hot. You've got an older woman. Oh, hell Love yeah, it. man. Yeah. <laughs> Not, nothing wrong me with too. that. Me too. My wife is four years older than me. Sweet. And definitely when she says, even though our age is a bit different, you find this with Kira too. When she's like, do you remember the Breakfast Club? You're like, yes, I remember the Breakfast Club. Even though we're two years apart, many of our cultural references are the same. But society is moving at a much quicker pace now. And things last. Cultural touchstones only last for a moment now. Yeah, And I'm certain there's like... Tonight, there'll be some 19 and a half year old in a bar hitting on a 19 year old girl. And he'll be like, do you remember Vine? And she'll be like, what the fuck is Vine? You're so old. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It's really like the pace at which things are changing is. Mm-hmm. And the attention spans are gone, too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So these are interesting times. Oh, well, we'll all be dead soon, so it's yeah. all good. There's by, that great by we health. all, you mean you, you and I, at least. So, so how was your, uh, you, your dad moves out west when you're a kid. Yeah. Um, you see him, like, what, once, once twice a, a year? Once or twice a year, yeah. My brother and I were often unaccompanied minors on airplanes. So the way that worked at the time is maybe we're like, I'm three, my brother's like five or six. My mom drives us to the airport, and then you used to walk, you could walk your kids to the gate. Okay. Because they knew you, my, you have to go through security. You still. I, I don't even know what security now you there can't was. Get through without a ticket. No, exactly. Yeah, it would probably be and a so, lot. Like, hey, you got anything on you? No, I'm cool. no. <laughs> like, I'm not a suicide bomber. <laughs> don't worry. And, and yeah, so, but they'd be like, a suicide what? A suicide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone was so optimistic in, in 1982. <laughs> so my mom would walk us to the gate, and then uh, stewardesses would put little lanyards over us that said "unaccompanied minor." And mom would wait until the plane was taking off. And then the stewardesses would become our legal parents for like the four hours it took to go fly to meet my dad. And um, yeah, on the plane, they would like bring you airlines used to have more like swag and time for everyone. Mm -hmm. So we would just get like spoiled with. People used to dress up to. People used to dress up to airplanes. fly. I wear a and fucking like, velour sweatsuit. We get a little. That's dressing up. <laughs> that is. I look good. Yeah. <laughs> we would get like you know a model airplane, and they'd bring you into the cockpit and, and all that stuff. And then your dad would be waiting at the other side, and they'd like sign a paper, and now your dad is your legal guardian instead of some. Some yeah, flight attendant. That's crazy. They don't do that anymore, do they? Or I think. I mean, a there process? must be some mechanism for getting kids mm-hmm. 
Or maybe you're just not, I don't even know that. Maybe you're not allowed to send kids, send a three-year-old and a six-year-old well, let's go, let's on go an down airplane. the street. We'll grab one. Find and a kid and then send it to another country. <laughs> take it down to they border. Must, now they at least would have to like. Country. We'll, take it, we'll send it to Sudbury on yeah, border. <laughs> go, they'd have to Google like, is this your kid or where's this kid from? Because uh, that does seem too easy that my mom just showed up with some kids. It's yeah. like, yeah, fly them, yeah, fly them to Calgary. It. It'll be fine. <laughs> they seem to have a lot of stuff. They're going for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was where you going, Calgary? Yeah, Dad was in Calgary. How in long Edmonton. would you stay? Like how long? I, was, I mean, was gosh, once a year I don't visit? even I don't even remember so much, but uh, but a, a week or two weeks maybe. Like so, summertime. Um, you know what? It's confusing because uh, there's so much access to the mountains. But my dad used to be into ice climbing, and I remember we went hiking, and he went ice climbing once. But that also could have been in summer yeah, yeah. if you were in Calgary, and then you went to to Banff or something, or went to a glacier. Mm-hmm. So we didn't see my dad a ton, and then he moved back to Toronto eventually when I was like twelve. Is he still alive? My dad is still alive. Yeah. Where's he living now? Um, just the, like St. Clair and Bathurst. Oh, okay. Area. So yeah. What's he do? Uh, he is an energy consultant. He was trained as an architect. He's doing well. He's like he's, that's what he was doing out there. He wasn't. He was doing escaping out west to be a hippie. Um, no, he would escape to get away from. I think the pain of his crumbled marriage, <laughs> but, uh, he remarried and has, uh, some daughters who are my, I call my sisters, but are my stepsisters. And, uh, well, they, if he, they're his daughters, they're half sisters, they're half sisters, but, um, but I call them my sisters. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, then, and then Chloe is a stepsister. Okay. My stepmom, Pam had a, a kid before she married my dad. All right. But yeah, now he does. It's like a company that does, they retrofit large institutions. So, like, if you've got a hospital that still has, like, radiators that are mm-hmm. not energy efficient and stuff, you can't just ask the superintendent to, like, update yeah, all, yeah, yeah, all yeah. the stuff. Could you, run, so, could you run some heating ducts through here? Right, exactly. <laughs> so they have to hire a company to do, like, to come up with a big plan and then to finance it and do all of these improvements. And... uh my dad's company does that and they do the financing and he's told me about it. It's a lot of government, like private public partnerships to do like to make a university say over the next five years, we're going to reduce your energy costs 50% and you'll do 50% savings. You'll pay us out of those savings. So it's going to cost you nothing. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. Cause you, you're paying this much right now. Mm-hmm. You're going to reduce your costs and pay us, and it will still be less than your you're paying costs now. Will be the same. And-, and my dad has described this to me, and it all really sounds like corporate fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he was doing this. My dad explained to me like these mechanisms of how institutions pay for things, and I, I was like, "Well, you you can't ever run for politics because like you'll run for politics, and then people will be like, you everyone's stealing government money." But I think it's I think it's honestly a good thing for society that he does. So I think he's proud of the work he does. What mom do uh, uh, growing up? Mom growing up was largely like looking after us. She did real estate and worked as a journalist and stuff, but it was all small town yeah. living. So was dad sending home money? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he was living okay. Or were, like, yeah, we lived great. Well, yeah. it was a small town. So we had uh, like a house, Probably cost somebody 40 grand at one point. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, we were just up there. We went and looked at it, and I think now it's like, you know, $600,000 or yeah, something. Yeah, it's my parents' house. My dad bought it for 30 grand in the 70s, and now it's like a couple yeah. hundred thousand. Yeah. So. And does he still own it? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, good. He's, he's bought it a few times. Okay. When my mom left, he had to remortgage. Yeah. He had just paid it off. My mom left, he had, and he had to remortgage for like a ridiculous amount more than what he paid for it originally. Yeah. Oh no, he had he remortgaged when he did a big addition, paid that off, and then my mom left, and then he had to remortgage again and so paid paid for it three times. Yeah. Well you really love it. When you've paid for it three times, <laughs> you it's weird because my dad bought a cottage in two thousand nine and I think he just stopped caring about his house once he bought the cottage. <laughs> like there's like repairs and shit that he's not getting to because He's doing like he's making sure the cottage right. is nice and yeah. everything. And, and the, cottages need stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the 
the nature of a cottage is that like the dock mm-hmm. is not perfect no. or dock always needs like he actually the, built a new dock the water filtering <laughs> system if you even have water filtering system i don't know what kind we of. did i actually saw i told him to tell you on the phone i was like hey your new water filter's leaking he's like oh shit yeah but more <laughs> so now he can't fix the the creaky door yeah. at his house yeah but my i think my stepmom's getting to the point where she's like we got to do some work around here anyway enough of this real estate talk <laughs> What's you and your brother's relationship like growing up? Yeah. Oh, man. Like, so, because we didn't have a a dad around that you just look up to your three-year-older brother and think mm-hmm. he's the greatest person on earth because he's kind of like your dad brother. Yeah. You just think he's the greatest. So, I still, I love him tremendously now, but that period of maybe till I was like 12 or something... I just worship the guy. Like I yeah. thought, do he look like you? He's a better looking version of me. Uh, He's like, did you get his? Did you get his ID when you were uh, around sixteen? Though? No, I'm from 1978, and um, Ontario driver's license. As oh, you remember, that little fucking used to be white. So you could, what you could do is you could um, switch the eight like, to a six. Switch the eight to a six yeah. very easily in '78. It was white, and then there was black writing on it. So there was a box with your birthday in it. Yeah. And so you could take an exacto knife and put a little notch just above the arm of the eight and put a little bit of baby powder in and then cut a piece of tape, put it over top, <laughs> look totally seamless, and then all of a sudden you're two years older. Yeah. And so, um, God, I did start drinking at six, 17, 16, whenever that allowed me to yeah. like go to uh, – Fucking Eastside Mario's. <laughs> I have eight pitchers of beer as a 17-year-old. There's not a little local dive in this town? There was, well, like a local in Tanbury, but then we moved to um, Midhurst, which is near Barrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we moved around a bit, but there definitely was a local dive. Went back when my brother and I were kids, before my mom remarried, Wong's. Chinese and Canadian food. You may notice that many Chinese restaurants will say Chinese and Canadian food, but no one's going there for the Canadian food. But we literally did. We didn't know any better. So my mom would... A burger with a side of chicken balls, be. It would be like... My mom would leave money. She'd be working and be like, okay, you guys walk down to Wong's and get dinner. And we would get like the turkey dinner with like turkey and stuffing from the Chinese food restaurant. And we thought that was incredible. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Um, when and, uh, you're 12, when uh, stepdad comes to the picture? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Was mom dating anyone between? Yeah, that? absolutely. Yeah. She yeah. dated she uh, my mom. A few guys coming through. A few go. guys coming through. I don't know that we met everyone she dated. There was one guy we I liked, and then years later I approached mom. His name was Stink. Was his nickname <laughs> even even more shocking than Potato? But uh, but there was this guy Stink, and he was really good with kids. So that was maybe like six. He'd like take us to the river and throw stones and stuff. Stink's and the so coolest. He was the coolest. Yeah. So I, years later, I and my mom might have been like, did he smoke darts? De- definitely oh, smoke oh, certainly, darts. Certainly. Yeah. My mom rolled her own cigarettes at this point, so okay. it was like a lot of smoking going was on. Was it in the like house. rolling or the old machine where you'd like? No, she did it hand rolled. Hand rolled oh, okay. her cigarettes. Yeah. Everyone thought she was smoking weed all the time. <laughs> but I approached her and I said, so she was maybe like thirty one when she's dating Stink. And I was like, Mom, whatever, I remember that guy stink. Whatever happened with him? And she's like, oh, well, he was only 19. That wasn't a very serious relationship. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Good for you, Mom. Mom's the town coog. Yeah, totally. <laughs> eh? She taught that guy a lot, so I'm sure. Oh, that's great. I'm sure he went on to to other successful relationships where women were like, how do you know so much? And he'd be like, I, uh, So uh, I stepdad comes into the picture? Yeah. And they, uh, how old are you when they get married? Maybe 12 or 13, I think, okay. yeah. We're, what's the relationship? Well, well, so he's passed away now. In retrospect, he may have been on the autism spectrum, but people from... So he was older than my mom by quite a bit, and he was known to my mom from childhood. So when my mom was like, whatever, 13, he was like 25 or something. And when he was 25, he was a coach on the national ski team and, like, so fucking handsome. And everyone thought he was the coolest guy in the world. And so he had a very – all through his 20s and 30s, he had this reputation where everyone was like, oh, my God, he's the coolest guy in the world. And I think secretly he was, like, really introverted and didn't didn't like 
talking to people so much, but that only helps your mystique when people already <laughs> think you're cool. So he really, like a lot of people, or they'd think he was an asshole because he didn't talk to them. One of my roommates in university, Steph, had bad eyesight and was really good looking. And so people just thought he was stuck up all the time because people get insecure around super good looking people who won't talk to them. Yeah. They just give up. They're like, fuck that guy. He's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, definitely Chuck was introverted. He loved my mom so much. And I don't know that he really wanted to have more kids in his life or he wasn't really prepared for it. So yeah. it, was, it was definitely an adjustment. But he was kind. He was never mean to anyone. And well, it was just uh, like uh, your relationship uh, more formal then? more Definitely more formal. Yeah. Like, uh, like hey, Chuck, how are you? Good and to he, see you. He, he had boundaries and they were pretty inflexible. Like, don't touch these things just non-negotiable or like don't <laughs> approach me during these hours of the day or you know, I need. things like that so I need a couple hours just to myself right yeah. <laughs> are you calling yeah, me like during had, three and five you it, fucking asshole it's like he had office hours like a professor <laughs> like if you've got a problem <laughs> you come see me thursdays and saturdays Make between an one and two <laughs> um but uh ultimately he was super kind to my mom and really gave a lot of meaning to her life and she gave a lot of meaning to his life. So that's the, that's the beautiful thing mm -hmm. about that. That's good. And he, he had lost a child to cancer Ooh. who was my age, but bef before, before you met. Yeah. Like, so if I was 13, he lost his daughter when she was five or so. So like, I think he went through that eight or 10 year period of, of really, is his only Close, daughter too? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, like closing off his emotions and stuff. And then I never really talked to him about it because he was kind of closed off about that issue. And then as his mental health kind of softened as he got older, I one night I did just kind of dig into it with him. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe five years earlier he wouldn't have shared in that way, but he did talk about how awful that is for a parent to lose a child yeah, and, no doubt. and how being with my mom had given his life happiness and meaning. And it was really a sweet thing. That's good for him to say. So good. Good. Yeah. I had, uh, I had a nice conversation with my grandfather like a year or two before he passed. And, uh, he'd never ever talked about the war. And yeah. one night uh, I was, uh, my aunt's wedding. He got a couple, couple of drinks in him, and then, uh, started, uh, started sharing war stories with me. I was just like, Okay, maybe those yeah. maybe those aren't meant to be shared. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't I don't really have secrets in that way except children in your trunk right now. Those are Right. <laughs> but but I imagine as you get older and closer to death, the urge to just tell someone your secrets just gets <laughs> ratcheted up and up and up. I gave a man a hand job on the school bus one time. Yeah. What? Okay, I bet, calm down. I bet Bill Cosby just wants to say, I did. I, I raped a lot of people. And then just dies. And then dies, yeah. And we go, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> so you get into high school then? I yeah. Was, what uh, is there a high school in this little small town? Or you got to go no, all the way to No, I went to a boarding school. Oh, boarding school. We did, school. yeah. Part of this comes from my granddad loved boarding schools, and I think my stepdad didn't was happy to have kids around less as he was being like newly married to my mom. Yeah. So when I was well, fifteen or sixteen, I went to a boarding school. <clears throat> okay, and uh, how far away? Uh, about an hour away from Barry in Aurora, St. Andrews College. That all was, boys. It was all boys. Yeah. Fuck. Um, did you like that or? I, you know, I, I think I overall have had problems with authority in life sometimes. And so I think all high school experiences can be a tough balancing act of children trying to come to grips with asserting their own way of being in the world while taking a lot of information from people and sometimes from people who who you only have to listen to because they're teachers and some people really are great and have great advice. And so I think, I don't know that anyone, I suppose there's some people, but it's probably very few people who look back on high school and just say universally, that was an awesome experience, really loved high school. So there are things I didn't love about that experience, but I don't imagine it would have been better or problem free anywhere else. I don't know. Is boarding school like, uh, I guess it's very structured, right? Like what time you wake up, is there, they they feed you, obviously. So yeah, they feed you. Got to be a breakfast, got to be a class, class, Yeah, exactly. Lunch, yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, boom, boom, it's boom. all pretty. 
what extracurricular stuff you do there? Like tons of music. I did tons of music and sports and everything. I don't yeah. know. I was really good at at math and school generally. I was a good student, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I did I did do lots of stuff. That was a good thing about it is that it gave you a chance to to pursue a lot of interests. Mm-hmm. So, I will say. Um, I've only walked off stage once in my life. There's a show like, uh, and I try to be even handed about this stuff, but there's a show maybe like a year ago in Newmarket and it was like a bad show. And I got on stage and it was, it was already bad. And then a group of people walked in and they were just such fucking assholes. They were the worst kind of people I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. And it was four firefighters. And I was like, you guys are firefighters. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? And then one of them was like, no, we're teachers. And then they just wouldn't listen. And so I was like, I can't do this. There's no point. And I just walked off stage and no one did anything or noticed because it was just such a shit show. And then one of the people came up and was like, oh, I was, I'm a teacher. I taught you as a kid. I'm from your school. <laughs> and I was like, you're a fucking horrible human being. <laughs> and um, in talking to some people who went through the experience that I did, I don't want to shit on the whole experience of going to to private schools, but- I think maybe I was there at a bad time where there was a bad culture and a lot of kids probably didn't have a great experience. Mm -hmm. And I know like a couple of years behind me, things really fell off the rails where kids like they almost had to kick out the entire graduating class two years after me. It's a guy who works at the bar in Halifax who I kind of knew a little bit in high school. And then I've gotten to know him better just as a guy, as an adult and, I think sometimes there's organizations just get a bad culture going. And so I try, I don't know, I try not to overthink about it, but high school years were not my favorite era of my life Mm -hmm. yet. And I think a lot of that is probably my own decision making. There's probably a portion of that comes from being in an environment that wasn't running at its best. Were you getting in trouble at all? Yeah, I got in trouble sometimes, but not not a ton. Like getting in, you said you started drinking like sixteen. Yeah, well, I think at that point people had kind of. I, I've always been weird, and so I think people didn't really know what to do with me. So by the time I got to be, this is back when there was grade thirteen. By the time I got to be grade twelve, I think people were like, "Whatever he wants to do is fine." So so I was sort of allowed to do whatever I wanted. Was there uh, any drugs going on at the school? Like not harder much. than weed? Not not much. No, and I I don't even think I really smoked weed until so, university. So. so I remember later in my high school years, they uh, uh, cocaine got introduced, and I absolutely st- yeah. I stayed away. And then uh, I heard like a couple years after I left that heroin got introduced. And really, eh? Kids yeah. were jacking, spiking up in the bathroom and shit. And like, acid and mushrooms and stuff can get into certain high school scenes. And I think every drug has a, a wave, you know? Yeah, like yeah. I think acid's coming back right My now. My brother did acid in high school, and I didn't. And I think it's just waves. Like, it's yeah. not well, I did, a reflection on the people. It's just luck. I did acid in uh, a lot in grade nine, and I think maybe once or twice in grade 10. Okay. Um, but then, like, it's pretty. I haven't touched it since then. It's, that. But it's, I, I yeah, do. Yeah, I I'm pretty passionate that everyone should try some hallucinogenic drugs I at did, some point. I did mushrooms four days ago. They were great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I know. As my stepdad was dying, you know, there's so many people who report that as you're approaching your death, you should do some some shrooms just to get some perspective <laughs> on the whole thing. And I, I know you've heard these stories that people are terminally ill and then they do some shrooms and they're like ah you know it's uh, not so bad we'll just just, move on to the next stage i'll I'll be a tree next year (laughs) but that's good i think it's good you did acid at a young age yeah it's weird to think it's been 20 years since i've done a certain drug you know yeah but mushrooms is a an adult approximation of that too i i did like um, you don't i did a bunch of mushrooms when i was a teenager it was like mushrooms came after the acid I enjoyed that a lot more. Yeah. And then uh, there was like a, a huge hiatus on that as well. And then just a couple of years ago, it, uh, I did it for the first time in probably over a decade. And I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot how great these it are. Is. And now it's like a yearly tradition. Me and the boys go in the woods. And- fuck. I did, uh, when I was in my maybe 24 or 25, I was doing mushrooms like two or three times a week, but like <laughs> a small amount, you know, like where you do like a half gram. So you're yeah, not even you're just kind little, of mildly shroomy. I love a little micro dose. Yeah. You just, you just tingle. Really, you're like, hey, this is like, nice. The lights kind of look mm-hmm. 
more interesting. I like, and also you never fully come down from mushrooms because like you could not do mushrooms for five years and then you're in the park one day and you, the light hits the tree in a way where you're like, oh, it's like, I remember that. It's a good, it's a good drug. Yeah, I think, I think we did, I did like three to four, four grams this weekend and Honestly, I could do more. <laughs> that's a that's a lot. You did it all in at once. Here. I did like uh, probably two grams, and then one gram, and then uh, uh, a guy came around like an hour later and was like, had another little cap for everyone. I was like, here, eat this. Yeah. But then I st- oh, I still had a couple bags hidden away just in case I uh, needed more. But uh, now I still have mushrooms, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was doing it a lot. I think people report this with other drugs as well, but with alcohol, you're basically just drinking as a prop because it has no, like you don't get that wave of drunkenness that you normally get because the mushrooms is at the forefront of your reality. Mushrooms, you you just like drink 20 beers, drink 20 beers as no, but then as the mushrooms come down, there's like the waves cross and you're like, oh, wait a second, I'm drunk now. (laughs) All right. Time to go to bed. We were passing joints on, um, like passing somebody's joint. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to do anything, but here's something to do with your hands for the next couple of minutes. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Were you a weed smoker? uh, I did. When I got to university, I smoked a lot of weed. Where'd you go to university? McGill. McGill. And um, with the intention of doing music. And I wanted to try stand up, but I never got around to doing it. When I was in high school, I thought, oh, it'd yeah. be fun to do. Yeah, that's when I started thinking up. about it. it took 10 and then years I didn't to do it. And then I got to university. I wanted to do music. And then, but I also like took some broad courses. And then I, in first year university, I got into doing stand up and I did debating and I played in bands and took history courses and stuff. I always did a lot of stuff. It's all in Montreal. You're doing all in Montreal, start, yeah. Stand up. And so music would have been all-consuming, so I just did a history degree. It was weird. I I came from my family, definitely. My granddad was like a World War II veteran, like super solid guy. One of the best people I've ever met. But he just sort of expected that you would get a university degree. Mm-hmm. And so I just always grew up feeling like you didn't get freedom until you'd check that off the list. Yeah. Like that, that was something you had to do. And in retrospect, it's like, it's not that important to get a history degree. <laughs> was, your, was your grandpa alive when you uh, started comedy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think of it? I think he's just happy that I was doing something yeah. I liked. My family also, like he was pretty like waspy white dude from Toronto and he had three kids and my uncle Dick is like also the best guy and my uncle Mike is the best guy. My family's awesome. But uh, uncle Dick people said from the time he was 12 like this is a guy who could be prime minister he's just got a charisma about him and uh really intellectually smart and awesome to be around he went to u of t law and like dated the appropriate hot women dated the appropriate waspy toronto women and stuff got a law degree from u of t after he finished he was like yeah i've i am drawn to the wilderness so into bob dylan and weed and stuff (laughs) so he's like i'm gonna i'll do law but i want to go up north just spend the summer doing canoeing up north then he just loved it and he started a canoeing camp and fell in love with this native girl and married her he doesn't practice law anymore does he and didn't it was like i'm just gonna run a canoe camp instead of practicing (laughs) law and like my waspy grandparents had a bit of a problem with that (laughs) and they got over it pretty quickly and uh good for them like being some 1950s yeah. white dude and having your perfect son be like i'm abandoning your hopes for me to <laughs> to run off up north and vicky and dick are still married and have the most functional good marriage how's the, how's the canoe camp of. the canoe camp closed down and he eventually went back to practicing law oh, okay. but they still own an island that they bought you know 40 years ago probably up in Tomogamy, and they also now he works in house for a company. But yeah, he stayed a hippie longer than most hippies. So, so I knew even the, though your uncles are they? These uh, your mom's mom's brothers. Mom's yeah. brothers. Yeah. Did dad have any uh, siblings yeah, around? Just, he was the here this weekend too because my brother Rich Rabnet is uh, was back with my nephew. We went up to see my mom, but also my brothers, my dad's brother, Uncle Rich Rabnet 
who lives in Israel, was also back this weekend. So the real family reunion weekend. But and dad, dad didn't have any brothers. He has a brother, but we don't, we don't really know it. him well. Yeah, he was Uncle Richard was never around much for us when we were a kid. Then my dad has a sister who I've never really met. <laughs> also, <laughs> I think that's a weird story I don't know a lot about. So. Your mom's brothers all live uh, up in Thornberry, too? No, no. Dick lives Tomogamy, which is like five hours north. And then they have a place near the city. Um, and then my uncle Mike is my mom's younger brother, is like just the coolest motherfucker. He's great. So he lives in Geneva, but he and his wife they ran a farm in tuscany for 20 years or 15 years and it was incredible and then they stopped doing that and now they live on lake geneva and they have a camper van and they just kind of <laughs> like either live in geneva or just go drive across Probably europe right. and have adventures it's really it's a, that's a good an life. awesome lifestyle yeah Man, their their instagram account makes me feel like shit about my <laughs> existence i was at my cottage this weekend trying to Wondering, I'm like, could I live up here for the summer and still, you know, just take off on the weekends, do some gigs, yeah, come back? I don't know, eventually, maybe. Yeah, it's weird. And we'll see how this whole global economy goes, whether there's jobs at all or whether there's mobile jobs that you can do from anywhere. And mm-hmm. I, I think my I got a day job at CTV, but I probably wouldn't have to go in. But I yeah. can do it from home. I mean, home. technology would allow you to do it from home, I right? could do it from home. I could do well, not even home. You could do it from fucking Starbucks if you yeah. want. And uh, they or just certainly from a cottage. Yeah, but they don't want you. They don't want you. They want you there, which right. sucks. I know. If you if you had I a workforce at home, your overhead goes down a ton. Yeah, but I think you already famously nap at the office anyways. Oh, I do. And uh, <laughs> I think they're concerned that if you nap that much, <laughs> how much would this guy nap at home? Oh man, if, uh, I work in my uh, sweatsito every yeah. day. That'd be nice. <laughs> So after uh, you graduate, McGill? Yeah, I did. I got, I did go through and For get history. that degree, and I've learned way more about history since I finished <laughs> than I did doing. Are you I still get, a history buff? Totally, yeah. totally into all kinds of history. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's, what's your favorite era? I don't know. I just like more and more you get into. I, I think there's a glamour to monumental things like big wars or big turning points, mm-hmm. but. I am interested by the stark human experiences of some of these people. Like when you see on the news that they are recruiting people for Mars colonies and they're like, yeah, we sent up a hundred thousand people who want to go live on Mars. You're like, who the, what kind of insane (laughs) maniacs are just never going to see their families again. They're just going to go to Mars. Yeah. But people did that all the time in history. And also because life was so shit for everyone a lot of people do it now it's like immigration immigration you just say this existence that i live in and history is happening all around us and there are parts of the world that are not great Mm -hmm. people will give up say i'm 26 years old i will never see any of everyone i've ever seen in my life i will never see them again everyone i'm going to see from this point forward i've never seen before Mm -hmm. But I'm signing on for this adventure. Hope there's and, a cute uh, girl on that ship. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like it's, uh, and I hope I can get a job, and mm-hmm. um, I hope I'll stay healthy. Some people already have kids, and they're taking like a baby who doesn't get a vote. Yeah. It's just like you know, crossing the Atlantic. We brought you to Mars with it, with two dollars no in our pocket. Hey, it's really. <laughs> we just looked, wanted a better life. It's, there's nothing out there. The Martian dream. <laughs> We saw this movie with Matt Damon, and we thought, let's just do it. <laughs> that horrible movie where he nearly dies by himself. They were like, let's sign up for hey, that. You know what saved him? Potatoes. That's true. Eh? That's true. <laughs> if you did do one podcast dedicated to movies where potatoes <laughs> played a prominent role, That's it. Would, it would mostly be about The Martian. Samp and Tom make a movie? No. Actually, he Bud did. Bud the Spud? I don't know. That fucking... <laughs> there you go. Bud the, the Spud. The showbiz project to be like, I, I want to do it. Bud the Spud, I will be playing the potato. <laughs> and then it's just uh, the whole movie is the drive from PEI to Toronto. 
It's a road trip story. Be like <laughs> Stallone's over the top. <laughs> but like fat guys who are bad at arm wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just an actual potato driving a big rig. <laughs> okay. Let's get back on track here. Uh, you finished school. You've already, you're already in stand-up? Yeah. Um, through university, I didn't. I did it, but I didn't really focus on it. And then when I finished, I, I was doing... I stayed in Montreal, and then that was a great time when to you be starting. To do so, it. Yeah. How, how old are you at this point? Like 23, 20, 22, 23, 24 yeah. era. And then you're just like doing whatever, 25, 30 shows a month. Like, mm-hmm. it's good good times to be doing that and didn't look back and didn't look back yeah you look back often and regret <laughs> things deeply but who are your influences uh, in terms of stand-up i mean i i love letterman he's not a stand-up but i loved his sense of I humor came from stand-up yeah i missed that guy wish he was around yeah, right now yeah, yeah. it's fuck that the world has gotten to this place you just wonder if like john stewart or letterman could have done something to stop well colbert all this is stuff Colbert, Colbert is trying. He's he's taken over the in the ratings, yeah, because he's so focused on it's, Trump and what's yeah, going on. It's not, and part of my interest in history is that I I have strong opinions on all this U.S. stuff, but it's it's shocking how obvious it is that the i the people who support Donald Trump make up such a minority of society, and it's never been more apparent, and yet people still act like there's a reason to continue this dumb experiment of having him be president when in fact there's no public support for it whatsoever. And two good examples of that are that Colbert is number one in the ratings (laughs) and that Fox news is now number three for the first time ever in cable news ratings Mm -hmm. because everyone understands this is a bad experiment that we should stop running. And for some reason, congressional Republicans have no courage to, and, and, when the midterms come and if Republicans get wiped out, which is a possibility, watch how quickly spineless people like Ted Cruz start saying, I was always against Donald <laughs> Trump. We need to stand up to Donald Trump. And this is I want to see his taxes. And uh, it's terrible. I think all uh, of these people have no integrity whatsoever. Did you ever hear Foise's, uh Jordan Foise's line on uh, Trump? No. Uh, you'll like this because it's a history joke. He said, uh. A Donald Trump presidency is the lower back tattoo on American history. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's going to be interesting. Like I and I do think of things as contemporary events are the history of the future. And this will be like the Civil War, just a moment in history where people are like, what what the fuck happened there? Why? Yeah. And I've said quite openly that this is largely Abraham Lincoln's fault. Because if he had have just let the South go and be its own horrible country, then the North would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. And now... But we would have lost Florida. We'd lose Florida. <laughs> but, but have you been to Florida? Florida is like two states where there is like the richest people you've ever seen and the poorest people you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And in this alternate reality where the Confederacy was just allowed to be its own country, Florida would just be the poor people. <laughs> it would be awful. The Confederacy would have been the worst country in the world. Yeah. If they had just said, yeah, you figure out slavery on your own schedule. <laughs> we'll just be up here inventing the internet. Yeah. But then the, uh, that all that backwards shit would have kept going. Yes. Yeah. It's so, yeah. It's kind of good that we put a stop to that. Eh? Or I didn't do anything to put a stop. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but if I were there, <laughs> yeah, that is a, a persuasive argument. I've been uh, I've been uh, watching Cosmos on uh, Netflix. Yeah, and that's I'm the, liking that history. The Seth Meyers, uh, Seth MacFarlane, Neil, Seth MacFarlane, Neil deGrasse Tyson one. Yeah, yeah it's great, man. Like I, I'm very interested in the whole evolution of like how the hell this well, crazy rock I got know, here, you know? and it's crazy how short civilization has been. Yeah, yeah compared to even the- compared to just like humans, let alone mm-hmm. trees, mm-hmm. let alone bacteria. Uh, Do you ever see that Carlin joke when he's like talking about? Uh, everything. I'm the not wor- comfortable having this conversation without doing mushrooms. Carlos <laughs> 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 tells that joke about uh, everything the world's been to, through, like the fucking ice ages, all this shit, like just getting bashed by meteorites for fucking hundreds of thousands of years. And he's like, "We think a couple of plastic bags are going to take this thing down." Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not going to kill the planet. No, it'll it kill. might kill us. Yeah. But yeah, that's fine though. And then 
somebody new will come along. Yeah, I maybe, guess. Maybe eh? dinosaurs will get it back. I guess. So just let cats have the run of the place. Yeah, well, don't we got Mars to fuck up now. Right. <laughs> let's, go, let's go start a, a recycling program at Mars and do it right. We'll see. We'll see where all this goes. It's, I've got nephews and nieces now, and mm-hmm. it's just because of the way I look at the world. It's, it's interesting to think of what a child born, I had a niece born 12 days ago or 10 days ago or something. To think of the world she's going to live in. In 50 years, you don't know what the fuck's going to be It's going to be quite, quite different. This is and why I, one of the reasons I don't want to have kids is like, shit's going downhill and it's going downhill fast. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not having kids also and I don't know. I think the best reason not to have kids is just that you don't want to do it because to say like, oh, there's too many people, like it doesn't make mm-hmm. a difference whether you have a kid or not. It's not going to help not I don't having think, kids. I don't think this is, it's a uh, too many people thing. I think it's, I don't want my kid to have to go through. Yeah. The, and maybe we'll. The, the shit I think's coming. Yeah. It might be all right. Who knows? I know. Maybe it will be even better. Or maybe we just got lucky that we're alive in the greatest time in human history. Because there is this balance of the the ability to keep people healthy is better than ever. And that's so fundamental to people's ability to enjoy life it just fucking sucked back in the 1500s when everyone was dying oh yeah 35 like what are we gonna do about his hand i don't know cut it off yeah cut it off (laughs) and like everyone's dying so you're like oh fuck we better get 12 year olds pregnant because they're only gonna live to like you know and life was just so shit for everyone and life is pretty great now in some ways here here yeah like i think i think we we're very we we don't understand most of what's going on outside of yeah, Canada, at least. Absolutely, yeah. And the average person out of the 7 billion people on the planet is also is not having a great time mm-hmm. day to day. Yeah. It's really struggling. So, and like we, there's been, it's been a fucked up year losing my stepdad and then there's some other family health stuff and the comedy community lost Joanna Downey this year to ALS, which was just devastating to watch. Mm-hmm. And to think that people in rural Somalia have ALS also like yeah well like how they're not getting taken care of they're not getting taken care of like like oh shit it's just you can't you can't function anymore you just, just fucking die. Yeah. We'll put you, you over there put in a river or something yeah mm-hmm. so so we're incredibly lucky and I hope the future of the world is is positive and bright long after I'm dead but uh I think that's that's a, a debatable topic yeah I I, I don't see high hopes so there, there's there's some high hopes. Technology is thrilling and terrifying. Yeah, and but people people need to change. That's the problem. People like, need to change, you, and it we're really only just getting into the concept of artificial intelligence, and no one really knows what that would mean to humans if there was like this. If humans were the second most clever species on the planet, that might not be good for us. Yeah. Or maybe it would be really good. I don't know. So. So we'll have to see, and I, I feel like those some of those issues are going to start coming faster than we're ready. The fucking iPhone is such a revolutionary thing, and we don't even notice. We don't stop every day to say how, like... Yeah, no, we use it to fucking check our Twitter feed. Anything, yeah. Like, But it's so revolutionary what it's allowed us to do and the way it's changing the way our brains work, and... There, there will definitely be within the next ten years something equally as revolutionary as the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we know what it is yet, but well, that's the thing—you don't know what's next. Like even yeah. like you watch like old movies from the eighties; they couldn't even get the concept of cell phones. <laughs> I know it's great. <laughs> you're, like a, you're watching a futuristic movie, and they're still like on a cord. <laughs> I had a girlfriend who was slightly younger than me. She's maybe this goes to like the. 19 and a half year old hitting on a 19 year old and saying what's fine but um i had a girlfriend who was maybe four or five years younger than me and we watched lethal weapon one and in lethal weapon one they have the old like briefcase cell phone which Mm -hmm. was cutting edge technology at the time and uh she laughed she was like what what is that (laughs) as if it were like a gag thing but that was really (laughs) i remember that scene like cutting (laughs) cutting on a bridge stuff yeah yeah. the open (laughs) you needed to be in a a broad place to have a single a signal from that um also in lethal weapon one 
uh danny glover was already too old for that shit oh definitely <laughs> and that's like 35 30, 30 years ago or something so whenever he's, he's way too old for that shit now. whenever uh, i'm uh, working with my old man say up at the cottage i always gotta fucking help him do some shit and uh he's always he's showing his age he's i got a young dad he's uh i think he's turning 62 this year yeah yeah um and uh i always call him Murta. Every time he's like, oh, I'm like, you all right there, Murta? Yeah. And like for the longest, he didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. He's like, wait, keep calling me Murta. What the fuck's Murta? Like, he doesn't know. I'm like, leave oh, the weapon, man. man. You're getting too old for this shit. But then when I say that, he's like, oh, okay, oh, yeah. I got oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> Get a jog his memory. Put a bomb in his toilet. <laughs> 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 Which wire you want to cut, dad? The red or the green? <laughs> bomb on a toilet, though. Revolutionary. Yeah. Why? So it's good stuff, man. Why no. did Murta or why did Riggs? No, it was Murta on the toilet. Yeah. Why was he the only one who who got a warning? Yeah, that's true. Eh? That chick went dove off her diving board, just blew up. Yeah. And then uh, Murta's taking a shit, and they write on his toilet paper. Yeah, Danny Glover is uh, a very esteemed actor, so <laughs> it would be a shame to just kill predator him too. Can't for beat no it. reason. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you're doing stand up. You're 24, 25. What are yeah, the, like, what's the girl situation like in your life? Um, I had a, I did some. I was quite lucky that I had good girlfriends. Like my first girlfriend in university was great, really cool girl. And then I had a girlfriend for maybe like five years in my twenties who was really great. And what about high school when you're going to an all boys school? Yeah, no girls really. There, there wasn't even really. There wasn't know. like an all girls school. You'd there were. To, yeah, there yeah. were all girls schools, but I didn't really know. I went to summer camp and I was around girls sometimes, and so. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you'd like kissed a girl or something, but you know how to treat girls like people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's a product of being in an all boys school. Yeah, I think so. And just like, it sucks to be a teenager because you're, mm-hmm. your body's all out of whack anyways, but <laughs> it, the relationships are definitely tough. And especially as a stand up, as a stand up, because you're so self-absorbed, mm-hmm. it's really awful. And it's young stand ups and it's the same, it'll be the same way forever. And I'm trying to be a better human being. And a more accountable person as I age. But if you are concentrated on being a well-balanced human being who understands accountability at 24, you're going to be a shit stand-up. <laughs> like, you're really, <laughs> no one will ever laugh at anything you need to say. So, definitely, you go through that period where you're only thinking about yourself. Yeah. And definitely, the girls I dated through my 20s, like, put up with unacceptable self-absorption like how old are you when you meet your current wife current 30 <laughs> 30 yeah. um you're 30 when you, you guys start dating right away yeah yeah pretty much yeah that's nice um i'm just gonna our listeners uh probably don't know who your wife is she's uh she works just for laughs yeah yeah Indus- zoe i mean people- industry girl zoe rabnett um i question how many listeners there are who want to listen to me talk about my life. Listen. So it's either people who know Zoe because of comedy or know her because they're my family members and they're listening to this. So <laughs> I've got, but, I've got other listeners. Okay. I've got, I've got uh, it's like a couple people have told me they enjoy it's it. Just people who are really into potatoes who are disappointed. <laughs> I'm like, they're like, the where's the potato this? talk? Um, but no, me and you are very similar in this aspect of uh, like we date. Well, I, I, I live with my yeah. girlfriend. She's yeah. an industry girl. She's yeah. not a stand up. Like, Zoe's not a stand-up. Well, did she ever do stand-up? No, God, no. She um, that. But yeah, she works in the industry, and it's... Uh, was yeah, that, absolutely. That, and there's... Well, yeah, when we first started dating, we didn't really tell people, and... Mm-hmm. Was she already working for Just for Last when we first started She just started, started yeah. That's okay. why she came to Montreal, and um, it it just happened. I will say this, and you, you know this, that uh, everyone, especially in today's day and age, there's a lot of... Everyone's got Facebook and social media and, like, mm-hmm. a, pu- a public image and then a private image. Yeah. And relationships definitely have a public posture and a private posture. My and public so, relationship with my girlfriend's awful. Is awful. But we but have in a secret, great private. Like, really yeah, we're nice. really in love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but ultimately, people marriages or relationships are just like two people trying to figure stuff out on their own Mm -hmm. and like bill clinton and hillary clinton are (laughs) just like they're it's a marriage it's just two people and they've got all this other shit to do that's like world stuff donald trump and melania trump like that is a marriage that's a real marriage (laughs) where she has to think like this is the father to my children and like we got to talk about stuff sometimes and like Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, like my Range Rover 
it needs an oil change and like, I don't know. And they, they have to talk about things and do stuff. And ultimately it is just like you trying to live your life with another person. So I found uh, the best cause Kira uh, works in comedy. Um, she understood it. It definitely helps for and, sure. And it was uh, like, I got um She's like, well, it's Monday night. What do you want to do? I'm like, well, I'm going to go do these two open mics. And she's like, why? I'm like, because I got a new bit I'm working on. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And she she doesn't question it. I mean, I and, think I said this, but when you're in your 20s, I think there are girls who love to see the energy and the progress of like a young person starting out a comedy. Mm-hmm. So you have a girlfriend who's not into comedy and they're like, I just want you to succeed. Go yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But by the time you get to 30, it's hard for someone to be at home being like, chase that dream that's not working out for you. <laughs> like, and so when you have someone who understands more completely what it is and how much goes into making a joke work. Because mm-hmm. I people still think comedy is just people talking off the top of their no, head no. or like a joke <laughs> comes to you and a joke takes a year to re to get its legs. Mm-hmm. Like things are funny right away, but yeah. but it's still gonna take well, a, a year for it to That's what I use my show for. Uh dope my comedy every Wednesday, Underground Comedy Club. I use my show and I go in there each week and I just try to talk 10 minutes off the top of new yeah. shit. Just throw a bunch of stuff against the wall. And sometimes something will hit and I'm like, okay, that's something. And then you got to keep working that. But I can't work it at my show because right. I got to come with something new because it's the same audience each week. Yeah. But it's like once you get the idea, then you got to – there's so many different factors. You got to yeah. write ins and outs and fucking tags. And like, yeah. it's just – it is it is a process. And people – I love people that are like, I can do this and – they get up yeah. there first time and like, oh, no, you can't do it, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's the great gift of, like, I'm an NBA basketball fan, and uh, Manu Ginobili probably played his last game. I don't know if you know Manu Ginobili. No. He's an Argentinian guy. But it's the kind of guy you watch him, and you're like, oh, fuck, basketball looks fun and easy. <laughs> it makes you want to go out and play basketball. And good stand-up makes people think, oh, my God, just saying things looks so easy i could do that and you can't it's really hard but uh do you ever find like like other comics have any negativity towards you and zoe being an item not i mean definitely not not to your face not to my face and probably not overall Mm -hmm. like we have a pretty good relationship so i think people are okay with that i think people are probably mad like i've done just for laughs for years and i've done it since zoe Mm -hmm. has been my wife and people are probably like mad about that but people are mad at everyone who gets just for laughs so i'm not gonna beat myself up you're also a montreal guy too it's your local absolutely absolutely yeah yeah. i'll do i'll do shows at jfl 42 every year just because i'm already here right right So. so it's uh i don't know people say stuff but you also can't worry about that because people say things about everyone mm-hmm. also so well they uh, I, I get razzed from my buddy she's like oh yeah go fuck the boss i'm like shame my boss yeah <laughs> like, i'm a comedian nobody's my boss yeah like her the company she works for gives me work <laughs> she doesn't do any of that like she's she's not booking yeah. me and putting and there, me on there, i mean there's politics to everything so the fact that people know you're gonna take things seriously is gonna mean you'll work more mm-hmm. right and if one of the reasons you take things seriously is because you don't want to embarrass your girlfriend, <laughs> that's still that's still a real consideration, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we know we know Jeff does a good job. And if part of the reason you do a good job is because you don't want to fuck up because it makes your girlfriend's life difficult, yeah. like that that actually is a real factor. You get to be more well known to people, and if you're solid and well known, of course people are gonna work with you sooner than they'd work with someone who's unknown mm-hmm. and unpredictable yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know i don't i don't think like i don't think being with kira is like it's not giving me a boost in my comedy career and it's not it's not hindering me it's just oh she's my girl and yeah. we got a good relationship and that, it's been that good helps my i know comedy. it's been she's not you know making things happen for yeah. me because everyone's got to make their own shit happen you know? and glenn foster has been fucking Derek supple <laughs> for like four years and it just hasn't <laughs> helped his relationship with well not we'll, now we'll, we'll see we'll see whether it's only comedy fans who listen to your yeah 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 <laughs> i hope most people listening are like who are glenn foster and Derek supple <laughs> uh, Hi guys, how are you? 
Um, well, I don't know. Let's. I guess we can wrap this up, man. I think I got. Uh, yeah, good. That was very. I, I got, felt very serious. <laughs> I have like I've been doing a bit of therapy just because life is uh, tough. So I'm trying to to be more open about stuff. Yeah. And uh, how was I uh, compared to your therapist? Better. Good, good, good. Well, you could have laid down on the bed. That's what it's here for. She also records everything and puts it on the internet. I wonder about her. I don't know. I don't think she's a therapist at all. Um, well, let's uh, let's tell the folks where they can find you, Timmy. Um, so I'm doing some road gigs in June, and then uh, I'm going to be in Vaughn on June 22nd, June 23rd. And I'm also doing um, a benefit show in Montreal June 17th. There's been horrible flooding in Montreal, and you can there see it uh, coming I, in. So actually, I guarantee this podcast isn't out till July, though. Okay, so <laughs> if anyone in Montreal is listening, you missed <laughs> you missed some good benefits. Some good benefits. Um, but no, like, where's your give them your socials and all that stuff? Yeah, and well, the, timrabnet.com, at timrabnet on any media device. I do have a, a hot dog blog. That I've stopped doing because of my health. Um, <laughs> but uh, the hot dog hot blog. You can <laughs> Were you see just all eating the hot, hot dogs? Well, no, it's just the hot dogs I've eaten. <laughs> rated, uh, rated out of 10. Are you a hot dog guy? Love hot dogs, what but you, I've slowed down. What do you, uh, do you get excited for a trip to Ikea? I do well. Yeah, I always say that it's mandatory hot yeah, dogs yeah. at IKEA, but um, you, can, you eat two for a dollar or, or something. Two, two for two dollars. Yeah, two for two dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I like all hot dogs. And <laughs> as I travel, yeah, I like what's uh, get a hot dog what are your feelings countries. on the corn dog? Don't like corn dogs. No, no. fuck man. Yeah. I went to the X with like a I had a, like, I like a four year I like buns corn dog uh, craving, and I crushed it at the X yeah. this year. You're like a, you're a bun guy. I'm a bun guy, yeah. No. A corn dog in a bun would be fantastic, actually. <laughs> if you had like a corn dog on a stick, took it off and put it in a bun, that would be that would be good. All right. Well, uh, thank you to my guest uh, Tim Rabnet for coming in. Like you said, find him on the socials at Tim Rabnet. Um, uh, my name's Jeff Paul. You can find me every single Wednesday at the Underground Comedy Club for Dope and My Comedy uh, and, you know, Jeff Paul Comedy on all those social medias and all that stuff. My boy Nigel Williams is going to take us out with the Pocket Dwellers. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 